When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All new today. Two women, a shocking 60 pounds each, starving themselves to death. A Dr. Phil so gripping, so unsettling, you can't turn away. I'm walking 20 miles a day every day. I do five sets of 100 crunches and six sets of 600 leg lifts. It takes Jennifer two hours to eat about a tablespoon of food. I could probably have a heart attack or a stroke any minute and not even know it. This is your choice. It's kind of like Russian roulette. If I die, I die. If I don't, I don't. Girls that are in this position at this weight and this age do shut down and die. I'm not asking you to save the world. I'm just asking you to save yourself while the world watches. Coming up. Let's do it. I want you to get excited about your life. Here we go. If you're going to talk to me, you're going to have to be honest. Stand by, Dr. Phil. Showtime. This is going to be a changing day in your life. Stand by, A, and roll A. Check in. Go, Dr. Phil. question for you. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, if I could just lose five more pounds, I'd be perfect? Well, that's exactly what my first guest, Darlene, still thinks, even though she's five foot three and 60 pounds. She's been battling anorexia for almost 11 years. Her twin sister, Marlene, says she's tried everything in her power to get Darlene into treatment, but feels like she's fighting an uphill battle. Darlene says she's just waiting to die. At the age of 47, I was diagnosed with anorexia. I'm five foot two and I'm 60 pounds. When I go to the doctors, they say, you're at a death weight. For two years, my sister tried to find a treatment center for me. I don't trust to go to a treatment center. I first noticed Darlene's eating disorder when she was undressing. Her bones were protruding from her skin. I couldn't believe it. Marlene is my twin sister, my best friend. I was the thin twin, and she was the heavy twin. I look back at pictures of us, and we looked normal to me. As a child, my father controlled my weight. He would restrict food that he thought would make us fat. I wanted to please him, so I stayed thin. Darlene would say, I'm going to show you how strong I am, and I'm not going to eat. At the age of five, I was put on diet. My father would make comments if he thought 
you were too heavy. We'd go places and he'd say, look at the fat ass on that woman. I do feel like the anorexia was because of my dad. I'm a perfectionist. As the anorexia gets worse, I increase my obsessive compulsive behavior. Like, I gotta walk. I'm walking 20 miles a day every day. When I'm walking, I feel free. I don't have to worry about eating. I've had EKGs, my heart's fine. The only health uh, issue is that, you know, I'm starving to death. I feel angry at Darlene. If she could just be moderate, but it's always the extreme, walking so much, eating so little. 6 a.m. and I'm off for my walk. It takes me about five and a half to six hours. I stop for coffee just to give me that extra boost. I put a little bit of non-fat milk in. People ask me why I use a straw, but I don't have to bend my head back and I can keep walking. After my walk, I do five sets of 100 crunches and six sets of 600 leg lifts to burn more calories while I'm watching the Food Channel. I like to watch the food on TV because it looks good to me even though I won't eat it. I get the satisfaction if I had eaten, but I haven't. I don't really have a goal weight. I just know I'm not gaining weight by the way my clothes fit. When I'm shopping for clothes, I don't think of myself as thin. I get things that show my body. All this extra fabric here and here, and it drives me crazy. Everybody says it looks good on, but it makes me look like heavy, a balloon. I've had to go to the double narrow shoe, and it's still loose on my foot very controlling of everything that happens in her life. I have a handful of my brand cereal. It's my breakfast, lunch. For my dinner, I have two cups of popcorn. And that's pretty much what I've been eating for the last year. I have a fair food. I always measure everything I eat. I put two tablespoons at half of a quarter of a cup. I don't eat even as much as I put on the plate. This bag probably lasts me another three weeks. My total food bill a month is probably $50, if that. I can't keep watching her slowly die in front of my eyes. It's kind of like Russian roulette. If I die, I die. If I don't, I don't. Walking skeleton, that's what she looks like. It's really hard to look at her, actually. I feel like I'm just a disease. I'm not a person, I'm just a disease. Tell me why that's so hard for you to watch. The hardest part is because I'm hurting my sister. And I'm putting more stress in her life and I don't want to do that. You weigh, what, 60 pounds? 62. 62. 62 pounds. And, and you know that you're going to start shutting down systems here and you are in jeopardy. You, you can die here specifically from this disease causing system shutdown. I don't think of that, though. People tell me that, but I don't think about that. At a logic level, do you understand what's going on as not being healthy? Do, do you understand that you look emaciated to the rest of the world? No. I would say in the last month, I've become more aware of 
I've always thought they were staring at my leg, but now I know it's about my weight. So intellectually, I do know. At one point in your interview, you said, you know, basically, I'm normal, but then in the next breath, you say, I'm not a person, I'm a disease. Does that seem logically, intellectually sound rationale no. to you? No. Okay. So you recognize the contradictions and you recognize that what you're doing at an intellectual level is not in your best interest. Correct. All right. Now, does that intellect carry you enough that you can say, I've got to at least be open to trying to do something about this. You said, I'm too old to help. I'm just waiting to die. That's how I feel, because I did go to the last treatment center I went to. I feel like I trusted them. And I felt like things changed. And so the trust I had going there, I felt like um, I had failed again. And I don't want to fail anymore, so I don't want treatment. Okay, you don't want treatment because why? Because I'm just, I'm tired of having the same results. Nothing has helped me. Well, if you're waiting to die, what else have you got to do? I mean, it's not like you're busy. No, but it's, t it's too hard to, to get treatment. I mean, once you're in treatment, it's, it's a, it's a, takes a lot of energy emotionally, and I feel like I'm so weary from doing this for so long that I don't care if I die. Well, do you think it takes more energy than walking 20 miles a day yes, and doing a thousand sit-ups and crunches or whatever you do? Uh-huh, it does. Because it's emotional energy. Okay, I, I want to talk to you about that. And you know, the question is, I mean, is Darlene right? I mean, is it, is, is it just too late to recover? Is the damage already done, and is her sister getting ready to bury her? We'll talk about that when we come back. The relationship that Darlene and I have now is different because of her eating disorder. She's not the same person she was before. She's frustrated that I'm killing myself. We're very connected, but now that connection is gone, and that's what I, I'm really sorry has happened. It's really frustrating to try to help somebody and just come to a dead end no matter what you do. I love my sister, and I wish I, wished I wasn't her sister right now. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My anorexia is my comfort zone. I can cry on its shoulder. It doesn't yell at me. I always put makeup on because I use a 45 sunscreen and I don't want to have a wrinkled face. When I was asked if I would be on Dr. Phil's show, 
the first thought that came to mind is, I don't want to be on TV because it'll add 10 pounds to me. Well, today we're talking about women who starve themselves really in the name of perfection, trying to get to that elusive place where they can say, I can now accept my body image and accept how I'm controlling things. Now, 58-year-old Darlene says she doesn't see herself as anorexic. She sees herself as normal. The next breath, she says, I'm just a disease waiting to die. She weighs 62 pounds, walks 20 miles a day, followed by 500 stomach crunches and 1,200 leg lifts. Now, Marlene says she can't bear to watch her twin sister die in front of her eyes any longer. What do you want to see happen here? Well, I, I want Darlene to be able to realize, and maybe you can help her realize, that she's worth taking another chance at a eating disorder clinic and that she deserves to live and that um, I'll help her in any way that I can, but she has to make a commitment to herself for herself. Why do you think you're not worth the trouble? Uh, part of it is um, after my leg injury, and I was so active, and I haven't been able to, like, jog and ski. Uh, uh, I feel like I don't have a purpose. I'm on a permanent disability. Uh, I, like I say, I, I just feel like I'm a burden to everybody. So if I was gone, it would hurt maybe for a short time. But then, you know, life goes on. Do you think it's going to be easy on your sister to stand in the graveyard beside your grave and, and bury you? Do you think she's not going to be haunted by thoughts after that of, I could have done one more thing, I could have pushed one more time, I could have tried, I could have, I should have? Do you think that's going to be easy for her? No, but I know it's not easy now. So See, but I you can control both of those things. You can keep her from having that guilt burden later, and you can lighten the load now by taking some responsibility for your own disease. You, you said, I don't have anorexia, anorexia has got me. Well, let me tell you, that's just so not right. We ask you to draw how you see yourself, okay, and how you want to see yourself, but this, and you combine the two. This is your drawing. And your explanation of this was that you feel disconnected from your body. Yes. Right? That you Tell me about that. I feel like because of my leg, I don't feel like a whole person. <clears throat> and so the anorexia is in my head. So I feel like I'm just really in my head that my body's somewhere else. Okay, because you have a, a bad knee. Yeah, and a leg that doesn't bend, Got and it. I'm angry over it. Yeah, and, and I understand that, and I get that. And you said, I can't jog and I can't ski, so I have no purpose. Well, I, I hate to shake you up here, but your purpose in this world wasn't to be a jogger and a skier. Maybe part of your meaning and your purpose is being here right now, using your life in, for millions of people to see, to understand what can happen if these eating disorders spin out of control. You can't quit on yourself. You've got emotional vertigo right now. Your, your, your brain is telling you that something is right when it's not. It's telling you that you're fat when you're not. It's telling you that you're okay when you're not. It's telling you that you're not worth it when you're not. 
And this comes from a long way back. I know about your childhood. I know what happened to you. I, I know that you were not treated well. You were treated cruelly and viciously. And that causes you to devalue yourself. And I know your dad died last week. And it was on that deathbed for the first time he told you he loved you. Maybe it's time to stop letting him choose who you are and what you think and claim it back for yourself. Will you at least think about that? Yeah, I, I will think about that. <clears throat> and like people tell me, you know, that, uh, that they do love me. And Marlene loves me to death, I know. But if I don't believe it myself, it doesn't matter. And that's where I'm stuck. I don't love myself. I hate myself. And that's why I'm destructive. I'll keep walking even though my leg hurts like hell. Because I want to be that way. And that's my point of having to use that logic level that says this is not right. If you saw your sister doing this, would you stop her? Yes. If she said, okay, can't beat them, going to join them. I'm going to become anorexic. I'm going to start starving myself down. I'm going to start walking 20 miles a day, doing 1,200 leg lifts. I, if I can't beat you, I'm going to join you. What would you say to her? I said if the tables were turned, I'd feel just like she's feeling. What would you do? I'd try to help her. Would, like would, she has. Would you let her spin out of control? Would you let her just, if she said, like, I'm just waiting to die, leave me alone? Would you just say, fine, all right, sorry to bother you, and walk away? No. Now, I'm getting ready to introduce another story to this show, and I'm going to ask you about it. So I want you to sit in the front row. I want you to listen, and I, I want you to comment when I, when I come to you. The story I'm going to add is a 22-year-old anorexic, years further back down the path. Uh, than what we're talking about here. She's got the bones of an 80-year-old woman. Her parents plea for help when we come back. When I see myself, I see someone who is often bloated and never just right. It takes Jennifer from an hour to two hours to eat about a tablespoon of food. Chewing reminds me that I'm eating. Eating for me is so taboo. Mike says that his prayers were answered when a member of my staff approached him at a concert recently and said, I don't know your family situation, but I'm with the Dr. Phil show. Give me a call if in some way we can be of help. Now, our production assistant, Brian, was shocked when he saw Mike's 22-year-old daughter. Jennifer weighs 63 pounds, and Mike believes she's living her final days on this earth. The very first indication that something was wrong with Jennifer was in 2002. Probably about a month after I was diagnosed with the illness, I knew I was in trouble. And I believe at that point 
uh, Jennifer was at 68 pounds. When I see myself, I see someone who is often bloated and not lean enough, not toned enough, never just right. It takes Jennifer from an hour to two hours to eat about a tablespoon of food. Chewing reminds me that I'm eating, and I, eating for me is so taboo. She will specifically say in a restaurant, please bring me the smallest plate, the smallest bowl that you have, or she'll bring in her purse her own little condiment cups. I've been in and out of several different treatment facilities, all of which I feel have not been the right fit for me. Others have suggested that Jennifer be completely removed from our home at 22, 23, living by the choices that she's making. I could probably have a heart attack or a stroke in a minute and not even, not even know it. I firmly believe that Jennifer is on her final days of life. I don't think about expiring in my personal heart, in my opinion. I know that only God knows. I don't want to lose my daughter. That's why it makes me feel very sad. And it makes me want to cry because I don't know. Um, if she's going to be with us very much longer, if we don't get help. Do you agree with that? Do you agree that if something doesn't happen soon, that you could die? I do believe that I'm in a pretty serious medical situation right now. In November of 2002, at five pounds heavier than you are now, you went into cardiac arrest. I was pretty close at that point, yes. And earlier this year, you were diagnosed with osteoporosis. In July of this year, you were rushed to the emergency room for dehydration. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm, I'm not in denial of it. It's, um, it's unfortunate and it is happening and I'm, I'm sorry that it's, that it's happened and I can't go back and undo the damage that I've done to my body. All I can do is go forward and take the steps to go forward. Um, in saying that, I'm very resistant to taking those steps to saying, yes, I want to be done with this eating disorder. I want to be done with, with the anorexia because that voice is still very strong in my head right now. Isn't it true that a lot of the time all you want is to be alone with your disease? Yes. You just want everybody to just leave you alone, want your parents to leave you alone, everybody else to leave you alone, and just let you be alone with your disease. It's like a, it, it's like a not very good old friend, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a good friend, but it's an old friend, and it's, it gives you a sense of control. Absolutely. Now, Jennifer says her parents are in denial, and they blame her for their own problems. So we're going to talk about what that dynamic involves and what needs to happen if this girl is going to have a chance to regain her health and regain a normal and productive life. We'll be right back.
When you live with someone with an eating disorder, it's all about power and control. It makes me angry. I'm tired of my illness being the blame game. And of course, the quick and easy answer for that would be, well, fine, get over your illness, and then your family won't have anything to blame their problems on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street. Essential television. talking with women that are literally starving for, for perfection, starving for this elusive sense of control. Now, Mike says his daughter Jennifer's anorexia is affecting his marriage. His wife, Corinne, agrees and says Jennifer is a perfectionist who controls and manipulates their every move. Now, Jennifer says she's tired of her illness being the reason that is blamed for all the bad things that happen in the family. When you live with someone with an eating disorder, it's all about power and control. I am controlling. I do like to feel in control of situations. Jennifer makes all the decisions in this family. She decides when we're going to eat, what we eat, what restaurant we go to, what we put in the refrigerator. My dad goes shopping in the grocery store, comes home with some food that I didn't approve of. I automatically come at him with the questions. Why did you buy this? Why do we need this? We already have this. She will either take and put a grocery sack over it so that she can't see it, or once I've opened it, she'll throw it away. I know it's a Jennifer problem, and unfortunately, my family is very much affected by this illness. My wife does not like conflict. She wants to be the peacemaker. I have always been more like her mom and best friend at the same time. Jennifer is Corrine's best and only friend. It makes me angry. I'm tired of my illness being the blame game. And of course, the quick and easy answer for that would be, well, fine, get over your illness, and then your family won't have anything to blame their problems on. Our relationship pretty much right now is just focusing on trying to keep Jennifer alive. The thought of leaving has entered my mind. He just seems very sad to me because he doesn't know what to do. There are some uh, much deeper underlying family issues that are going on that need to be addressed. I believe that Jennifer's eating disorder has affected all of us. We probably don't even realize how much. Now I almost feel like I'm living in a prison in my own home. Well, Mike, let me ask you. You were saying that Jennifer controls everything, right? What's purchased, what's eaten, schedules, just everything. That's right. And you, you know that, you recognize that, so why do you allow her to do that? Uh, two reasons, Dr. Phil. Number one is because 
We love her so much, and we're at a point right now where the doctors have told us for two years that she could expire at any time. So I go constantly back and forth trying to show her the right kind of love and compassion if, it, if she is in her final days. And then also I wrestle with the difficulty of confronting her when she's doing something that the doctors have asked her not to do. What, what do you mean the difficulty of confronting her? She gets mad at you? Oh, if, she does. And she so just gives you all kinds of problems. Right, right because I, in my, I have to keep the peace with Jennifer and my wife, and so sometimes it's easier now to retreat and just allow, basically walk away from a situation. Is it true that, that you are controlling? You dictate what you want them to buy? You throw stuff away in the refrigerator that you don't want in there? You, that, that you dictate a lot of the, the pacing and the schedule of the house, certainly with regard to food, but other things as well? He knows that I try to. <clears throat> and but do you know that you try to? I know that I try to. And when I'm not able to control that, then I try to control other areas of this family situation. Are the dynamics. Yeah. So, and Mom, what, what do you think about this? Uh, I started realizing that Jennifer was uh, trying to tell me at the store what to buy. She was telling me, you know, we don't need this at the store. Don't buy that. And I would ask her why. I mean, this is, we need, this is for us. We don't, you know, if you don't want this, that's fine. Um, and so it's been a real struggle trying to tell her that she's in our home, she cannot control or manipulate anything that Mike and I do. But she does. She tries. And, and, and y'all pretty much let her get away with it. That's correct. Okay, and, but yet you said that you didn't want to be on the stage today because this is her, this is about her. This is about her anorexia and her problem. Right. Do, it, you've, you guys have probably heard me say before, when somebody in a family gets a chronic disease, the whole family has that disease. But you got to know that image, thought, perception should pale by comparison when you've got somebody that whether she wants to recognize it through her defensiveness or not is absolutely at death's door here. Correct. Now that probably is, I know it's a, it's a very real fear to you, but hear from me when I tell you that I have buried her before. They do die. The, the, the girls that are in this position at this weight and this age do shut down and die. Sometimes it's cardiac arrest, sometimes the kidneys shut down. A, a number of things can happen, but they do die. And you're saying, well, when I confront her, she makes it uncomfortable. She just becomes so difficult to deal with. But I mean, I think about this, it was like if my son was on a motorcycle headed for a cliff, and you know, he's just run along happy and doesn't know there's a cliff up there, I would do whatever, I, I'd put a stick in his spokes, I'd knock him off, I would jump, I'd do anything to stop him from going over that cliff. She's headed for the cliff. And you're saying, I, I don't want to deal with it because she, she's, diff she's difficult to deal with then? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I get that, but I, we'll talk about that some more. So what's really behind Jennifer's anorexia? Is, it, it, does it matter where it came from, and how does it affect what needs to happen now? We'll talk about that when we come back. To purchase tapes or transcripts of your favorite Dr. Phil show, call 866-4-DR-PHIL.
you don't just get anorexic overnight. The signs are there, but were we paying attention to them? When Jennifer was a freshman, she started running cross countries when she started experiencing acne. She started reading that there are certain types of foods that contribute to acne. Jennifer was systematically eliminating different types of food from her diet. Jennifer says that she's been battling anorexia for four and a half years. Now, her father, Mike, says that during that time, Jennifer's been in and out of more than a half a dozen eating disorder treatment facilities, yet continues to struggle with her fear of eating. And he clearly wants to know why. Tell me why you've been in and out of six treatment facilities. Uh, most of the facilities, well, if not all of the facilities that I've gone to, um, have been uh, covered by my insurance or via insurance um, uh, providers or in network, I should say. And when you go to such facilities, they give you so many or so much time um, before they say um, your time's up. But Whether you've left AMA. And I have left AMA, So it yes. wasn't that your insurance ran out. You left because they intruded on your relationship with your disease. You left because unlike your parents who are somewhat clouded by their love and interest in comforting you, the treatment facilities wouldn't let you control them. They wouldn't let you manipulate. They wanted to start running your caloric intake up. They wanted to start causing you to look at what's underlying your anorexia. So they started holding you accountable and making you confront the fact that you were killing yourself. That's why you left, is it not? For two of the six facilities, so it's a yes. In many cases when we, uh, she's come out AMA, they've asked us to take her, if you can't convince her to stay here, take her directly <clears throat> to the emergency room. Can I give you all my position and analysis yes, on this? Because I want please. you to know this real clear. You are saying that there are problems in this family, and that's kind of like stuttering. It's a family. Yeah, there are problems in the family. I mean, duh, everybody knows that. If your family is, is, is problem-free, then, you know, we need to figure a way to bottle that and put you up here and let me sit out there. So I'm certain that's true, but let me be very clear. This is not y'all's fault. Mom, this is not your fault. It's not even almost your fault. It's not your fault. Now, are you handling it as constructively as you, as you probably could in a perfect situation? I'm sure you're not. I mean, you don't want to know why? This is so beyond what can be handled inside the family by lay people who are close to her. It is, it's, it's not even a close call. This is so beyond what you can and should be expected to handle and manage that it's just totally unfair to hold you to a standard of coping with this because you're not qualified to do it. Now, let me say to you, I hate to blow this, this deal that you got going with them where like there should be guilty about all of this. This isn't their fault, this is your choice. And you cannot flip a switch and just say, well, 
Okay, Dr. Phil, you got me. I guess I'll give it up and quit. Unfortunately, that's just not a, an option right now. This truly has a grip on you. It's got momentum on you. You heard me talking to Darlene about intellectually. Intellectually, you know what I'm saying is true. But yet emotionally, you just won't be alone with your disease. And if, and if, if we just said, would you just like to go curl up and, and die rather than deal with all of this, I'm sure that would be the easier option to you emotionally. Fair statement? Mm -hmm. you've, got to, you, you've got to be willing to accept somebody else's compass. And I, I want to talk to you about what that means in real world terms. Uh, next, I'm going to share some information that could change the course of Jennifer and Darlene's lives. We'll be right back. DrPhil.com brought to you in part by... As a chef, I get inspired by foods that just taste better. Like Eggland's Best Eggs. Eggland's Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Travel consideration provided by... Inventors. Invent Health can help you try to patent your idea and submit it to companies. Call 1-800-626-4200 for free information. I'm talking to Darlene and Jennifer, who are both, in my opinion, very close to having severe medical problems, even death. What does she look like to you? Does she look? She looks very thin, much thinner than I. Uh -huh. And how does she look to you? I'd say the same. She looks much thinner than me. You both have to be willing to step up and turn over some of this control. You've got to let your intellect carry you here, even though your emotion says run, hide, run, hide. Your intellect has got to be saying, there must be some reason I'm here. Got, do you think it's an accident you're here today on this show, on this couch in front of me? I asked somebody to join us today. It's Dr. Michael Barrett. He's CEO and Executive Director of the Center for Change. Now, this is one of the best eating disorder treatment facilities in the country. And uh, he has agreed uh, to meet with Jennifer and Darlene after the show to discuss what the current and cutting-edge treatment uh, options are today, correct? Yes. And tell me what your thoughts are. I believe they can both get well. I believe there is hope. I believe to do that, they're both going to have to give up some control and let go a little bit. This is, this is really what it all boils down to. You've got to be willing to give up some control. You've got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to let somebody else make some choices for me for a time. I'm going to let my intellect carry me. Because doing it any other way, it's kind of like being lost in the forest. It's like, think of it. There's like 10 of us lost in the forest. And we say, okay, who's the most confused, lost, and disoriented in the group? And Jennifer goes, that'd be me. And we say, okay, let's follow her. <laughs> now, that's what y'all are doing. 
She has no compass. She has no map. She has no clue which side of the tree the moss grows on. She's just stumbling around out in the forest. And you say, okay, we'll let you pick what we buy. We'll let you pick what we do. We'll let you. Does that make sense? No. That doesn't even make sense to you, right? I mean, you'd be out in the forest like in a pinball machine. You wouldn't have any idea where you're going. True? I mean, you've got to know that intellectually. Yes. So, I mean, you've got to be willing to at least sit down and have a candid discussion. Let me tell you, there are very few places in this country that I think truly have the protocols, truly have the expertise. I agree. And this is one of them. And you're going to sit down and talk with them after the show. That's right. And, and we're going to see what you guys think about that. And you know what's going to happen? You're not going to be able to manipulate it. You're not going to be able to control it. The only thing you're going to be able to do is get better. You want to sit down and have that discussion? I'm going to discuss it with you. All right. We'll be right back. Do you want to be a part of Dr. Phil's live studio audience? Call us at 323-461-PHIL or email us at drphil.com for free tickets. Eating disorders are complex and devastating for everyone they affect. People sometimes say, look, just start eating, get over yourself. I promise you, it's just not that simple. I want to give a special thanks to Dr. Michael Barrett with the Center for Change for taking time to meet with Darlene and Jennifer after the show to discuss whether or not they will get serious about getting involved in treatment. Now, for more information on anorexia and other disorders, eating disorders, you can go to drphil.com. Now, obviously, we want to follow what's going on here. And, I mean, I want you all to understand, you can turn this around. You can get better. And for every time that we can do this, every time that we can bring you back here better and healthier and happier, at your age and at your age, I promise you, millions of people are watching that. You know, there is an opportunity to use your lives here as well as to improve your own personal life. I'm not asking you to save the world. I'm just asking you to save yourself while the world watches. Thanks for being here. So long. <laughs>